Don't like how you said Hello and welcome to Good <laughs> no, Sex. No, I don't like how you really? said it. Really? really? Hello and welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex, a podcast from metro.co.uk. It's a bit like shaking hands during an epidemic, but dirtier. <laughs> I don't think this is funny. <laughs> I don't know whether this is even timely. Not, it doesn't matter. Uh, my name is BB Lynch. And I'm Miranda Kane. And we are talking today... Mm. Two women from the East London Stripper Collective. Mm. I don't know what that means. Do you not? Okay, well, East London is a part of London that isn't the West, nor is it the South, and it's it's certainly not the North. I know, it's the East of London. Yeah. Very risky part of the area. And it's a stripper collective. So it's these uh, two women. One of them is Stacey Clare, and she uh, co-founded the Strippers Collective. Uh, And so it's a group of women who came together because they were so annoyed with all the laws, and we'll go into it, um, all the laws that surround dancing in clubs in London. And it's so... Some of these laws are really ridiculous. So they formed a collective to try and get some of them changed. uh, And they're going to try and and do something else which they're going to tell us about during the podcast are they going to have clothes on i think so but i can't promise that myself da, 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 da. i've got velcro on da, 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 da. what do you think da, 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 da. nipple tassels I... uh, da, da, uh, da, da. come on swing keep, keep those keep that poppered gusset away from me <laughs> poppered gusset it's my new safe word Hi, I'm Stacey Clare. And I'm Samantha Sun. And, and we are from, from the East London Strippers, Strippers Collective. Collective. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> well, <laughs> and BB, thanks. Welcome back to the Good Sex Bad Sex podcast, where, and I'm going to use uh, the alliteration from the website because oh, who doesn't love a bit love of alliteration? I love it. I know you do. The fierce, feisty, phenomenal co founder of the East London Strippers Collective, we have Stacey Clare. Hello. Yay. Hi. And one of the members of the Strippers Collective is Samantha Sung. Yay. Hiya. Hey. Uh, how are you? Good. Yeah. Now, so Stacey. Hello. I want to talk to you today about what the East London Strippers Collective is. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Why you set up the East London Strippers Collective. Uh And you have an important announcement. (gasps) Yes, we do. Yeah. This is very exciting. Well, I guess the, the announcement actually explains what East London Strippers Collective is about to become. So should we just get it out of the way? Yes. Yeah. So the exciting news is that yesterday, the three uh, members of the East London Strippers Collective, myself, Sam, and unfortunately, Lauren, who can't make it today, we had our meeting to discuss, to finalise our status as a community interest company, meaning that we are about to become, I think, possibly the first stripper run company in the country. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And this is why we're kind of basically excited to get our sort of small business that we've been doing for like several years actually set up officially, get all, yeah, and actually have like a legal entity and, you know, basically make it official and be one step closer to our dream Mm. of having a worker-run venue. Now, this is important because one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on to chat about it, I love how she's jumping in her seat, (laughs) Ah! 
is because a lot of people out there will be will be saying, well, what's the what is the importance of having a stripper run company? Isn't being a stripper, a stripper-run company, aren't strip clubs stripper-run companies? And what would you say, apart oh. <laughs> from just general laughter? Uh, okay, so one, no, being a stripper isn't... I mean, we are, we're technically self-employed, so you're a sole trader, so you are technically your own business. But we're not treated that way because mm. you still have to show up for a shift, you're told what to wear, you can't chew gum, you can't be on your phone. And I'm like, I'm self-employed, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Mm. Two, it's not the same because strip clubs are almost never run by strippers. I think the only one I can think of is Amber Rose bought out um, a strip club she used to work at in L.A., but which still it's not the same. It's never managed by strippers. I don't want to bore you with the history, but in 2009, there was a change in the law. Uh, strip clubs are run under strict licensing conditions now in a way that they sort of didn't used to be. So back in the 80s and 90s, it's a bit of a free for all. And let's face it, it was a bit of a kind of, you know, any 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 pub. Yeah, do what you want. Any pub, <laughs> any old pub with a, like a back room, you know, get the strippers in and it was all a big laugh and then lap dancing arrived so then you had um lap dancing arrived in early 2000 actually officially it was sort of late 90s the first ever actual lap dancing club was secrets in hammersmith but you had spearmint rhino who Mm. turn up and they bring over this kind of big corporate american style business model that is of its time comes from a period of time when there was a lot of disposable income disposable income and there was a lot of you know bankers bonuses and there was a real culture for kind of corporate entertainment in the finance financial district and so of course you know a whole load of dancers got really really well off that mm. boom time brilliant um but then that business model of the clubs taking a cut of the dancers earnings right just then became replicated. Um, so then as lap dancing clubs spread around the country and then there was another law, like Licensing Act 2003, they relaxed the laws. So a lot of lap dancing clubs all over the country opened up and they and they proliferated this this business model, which I happen to believe is exploitative. It's mm-hmm. built on, well, wage theft. You know, it's all well and good. If everyone's making money, fine. But what happens when the economy changes? What happens when some clubs shut down? What happens when the you know industry becomes oversaturated? Well, then what you have is an unregulated workforce of people that have no workers' rights. Yeah. They have no job security, no protection. And then the club relies on that business model that setup they rely on the money that they can take and the cuts that they can earn from the dancers money so now what we've got fast forward 20 years we've got 150 clubs left in the country policing yeah the the policing and crime act meant that if you want to run a strip club you have to have something called an sev license those licenses are a lot harder to get hold of there's all sorts of conditions and restrictions that come with them like uh no touching and you gotta they can't you gotta give the girls uh, showers and drinking water and lockers and there's all sorts of kind of like nonsense conditions that actually don't protect us from anything they actually don't we're not safeguarding 
safeguarded by any of that stuff. You know, 10 years ago, they came in with these licensing conditions thinking, right, we're going to clean up that industry and make it all better. Well, where's the evidence of that? Yeah. 10 years in, we're still waiting. to. We, dancers are no less exploited than they were 10 years ago. So that hasn't worked, frankly. It hasn't worked. So we, the reason we set up the collective, sorry, long no, answer, but it's, it's a bit long-winded, but we, five years, five, six years ago, I found myself working in East London at the White Horse, which is a lovely old boozer, but conditions are kind of worsening and I can see from what I hear across the industry that clubs are closing, they're under threat, uh, licensing authorities are sort of trying to kind of basically stamp them out, but in effect what you end up then with is women being put out of work being pushed even further into like informal marketplaces having mm. finding more precarious work doing more precarious forms of sex work like that if you shut down a club it's not a win for feminism mm -hmm. you've actually made a whole load of women kind of turn to work that is more hidden and less visible because the thing about strip clubs is they still have that element of public accountability they're regulated workplaces they have licenses they're a premise you know like that's the point of it is we we want to keep them open but we don't want them to continue running with this business model so we set up this collective and i literally just you know five six was it 2014 yeah april 2014 got 10 of us together it was before sam joined us we um got uh, basically a dinner party got 10 strippers together, sat round, had this amazing night where we just all basically went round the table and told each other stories about like, do you remember what it was like when you started? And do you know how good it was and how much fun you've had? And what was your best moment? What was your highlights? And it was just like this energy in the room. This, there was a very, very special kind of coming together of you know female energy and we just were like right yeah let's just do something yeah. it doesn't feel like that now then so there's been a lot a lot has happened since that dinner party we have done a lot of bit community building we started running our own small business the life drawing class we used to we were doing our own parties but then there's now kind of like a new generation of uh parties kind of happening elsewhere so there's like a lot of pop-up strip events where they kind of they skirt obviously the law by not having soup like full nude girls for example they have pasties and a g-string sorry pasties What's like pasties are like nipple covers oh yeah nipple oh okay oh, I, I wasn't sure whether it was pasties or an american version of pasties like it just is a buffet or something like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna be a couple of those today yeah um yeah pasties nipple tassels okay. like the little sparkly hearts oh. so they get away with that because then obviously those girls aren't actually nude yeah and then also they don't make you pay in cash they make you buy funny money kind of like monopoly money oh. and you pay the girls you tip them in this monopoly money and so you've not actually exchanged cash for so i'm shaking my head because i'm hearing this and i'm kind of what i know about licensing law doesn't match what other people think is skirting the law for example if you want to run a strip club you have to have an scv license yeah because sexual entertainment is defined as entertainment which is solely or primarily for sexual arousal. You can't argue that a lap dance is about anything else. Yeah. A lap dance is to arouse someone. It doesn't matter what clothes or what nudity. It doesn't matter if nipples are visible or not. And it doesn't matter about the change of changing of money. It's got nothing to do with any of that. So if you are offering entertainment which arouses people, like that's the primary purpose of it, then you have to have an SCV license. But 
if you only do 11 nights a year, you don't need an SCV license. So you can do one off sexual entertainment whenever you want. So you can get, you can get a fucking dildo out and fuck yourself on stage if you want to but once as long as you do it once a month and well, have it I for one am relieved have <laughs> a, and have a month off for Christmas obviously <laughs> 11 nights a year because you know so what's what are your mm. aims so our aims with the collective are to have our own premises where what we have learned about licensing we can basically enact yeah. and make it our own space because actually I think that we won't need an SCV license because we know what we're talking about like if we this is this is why burlesque is allowed this is why these pop-up clubs are allowed because if it's not primarily for arousal say if you know you get strimmers strippers so strimmers <laughs> yeah. strippers that's, using strimmers that's the life right? class in your exactly strip strippers gardening <laughs> strippers telling jokes Strippers singing, strippers doing karaoke, strippers telling stories. I mean, we did Ask a Stripper, yeah, right? We yeah. did a show in Edinburgh and we were naked for the whole thing. Yeah. And we stripped off and we did, you know, but it wasn't the primary purpose. So actually what we are doing is we were working out how to essentially repackage our own labor and sell it back to new audiences and find new markets for this stuff because there is a huge public appetite but what about the people who do want strippers as a you know as a as a form of titillation wouldn't it be good to have a, a strip club where the women were in charge where the strippers were in charge um where you didn't have to repackage it and you could say like we're going to open six days a week and we are going to be there for lap dances and but we're the ones earning the money rather than giving 70 percent to the house so yeah the way the whole structure of the system is set up is means that 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 that's nice that's a nice thought it's just impossible and a lot of these strip clubs are run by women who were ex-strippers well not all of them but some of them well the one i worked at was one it's very sad because to me this person could have been probably the best house mom in all of London because she had been doing it since she was 15 years old. Mm. But instead, she like decided to rule with like an iron fist and had a massive ego and find girls all this money and like yeah, and just basically robbed us. Oh. Um which was really sad. So it's like it, even if it was stripper run under the conditions that the industry is in now i don't think it could have been done in any way that's ethical so you're trying to find you're trying to find a better way to make a living from the skills you've learned as strippers under the difficult framework that has been set in place yeah the other option would be and i think we do think about this is having an agency mm. and so people don't just hire strippers when they go to a strip club a lot of people have private events stag dues birthday parties we've done a baby shower at one point oh <laughs> i love this story so people always ask me oh you must hate men you must you really and i'm like i don't hate men because they do hilarious shit like this yeah they every event in their lives is just an excuse to hire a stripper <laughs> so we did this event where it was like this guy's baby shower <laughs> and i was like okay like it's fine it would have it didn't it, it was totally not any different from any other kind of stag or christmas or it was a straight guy's yeah. male yeah only. and his male cohort yeah. playing poker and they're like you know it'd be fun right now some strippers for your baby shower uh, 
We turned up with a bag of like nappies and baby wipes and like baby food. And we were like, we thought these might be coming useful. And then there was like, you know, a dummy, a pacifier. And he spent the rest of the night sucking on this dummy while he was like partying with strippers it was it was pretty great and we got paid really well for that it was lovely and and the best thing about that gig was the the guys basically wanted a group of us so we got you know there was what five six of us five of us and we basically were a team now that's the kind of work that we want because it pays well and it's fun and we can basically navigate boundaries in real time yeah because we're together in a group right so but what we don't want is which is what a lot of current agencies do is they send a stripper out on her own to anywhere not knowing where she's going she's never she's not had any contact with the client in advance she's not been able to communicate anything about boundaries like well you know i'm okay with bit of touching on my thighs but not my tits you know that kind of thing and we don't want that kind of we you know if you shut strip clubs down well then a load of dodgy agencies pop up to take their place and so we've we've kind of we're sitting on a bit of an idea well it's you know not quite ready for public announcement yet but we want to do go down that road of setting up a like an ethical agency where if you want to hire a stripper you hire two yeah no 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 one should have to work on their own like we should always be in pairs for example and there should always be a very kind of clear sort of series of communications from the point of the booking is made to the job being done is what are the boundaries where are you going to be what's the situation and you know no or you know if a dancer for example doesn't want to be around alcohol yeah fair play right is this a is this a well i mean it's rare but it it can happen you know like we can it's we we have that right we should have that right to be able to set boundaries so what's the ideal working scenario for you what's the aim what's the ultimate i mean to but it's it's a lot of things it, the the ultimate goal there's basically four big battles that we face at the moment there is exploitation that is happening in clubs right now already in the industry the way we're tackling that is through union trade union activism i could talk about that if you want the second thing is a lack of a place we don't have a voice at a policy making level so when it comes to all the licensing the local licensing authorities and their policy and then you know again at a government level who gets to basically make write the laws we need to have a voice we need to be consulted as a stakeholder yeah. right which we haven't been properly that hasn't happened and with the way we basically get around that is by getting good at working out what the democratic system is for being part of that system you know you have to sort of figure out when the licenses are getting renewed there's a licensing renewal cycle you have there's a period of public consultation you have to send in letters to the council you have to basically it's like banging down the door you're basically kind of right let me in you need to hear my opinion on this and this is where the rad firms have done very well you know they've got they've got sort of skills in that area they've mm. figured out where those doors are and those kind of corridors of power so we're basically we're a little bit late to the party but we've got to kind of start doing that work and then the third one is uh, obviously yeah radical feminist campaigns to shut down strip clubs and that has a lot to do with the narratives that the public are led to believe about us you know if uh, our generation of people are 
convinced that lap dancing equals violence and leads to increased levels of, you know, sexual assault in the area, which, by the way, is complete nonsense that any study or any statistic of that nature has been long debunked. But again, it's sort of that problem of a a received narrative. If it fits with people's core beliefs, they're more likely to believe it, even if it's rubbish. So we've then got to do a whole load of work to basically unpack all of those kind of core narratives about sex work. And then the fourth one is mainstream media representation. So they're very related. So then we've also got to do this kind of work. We show up to do interviews and podcasts and put ourselves in public places and challenge the yeah. beliefs Stopping does not sound fun <laughs> <laughs> not anymore the bottom line is why the fuck are you doing it <laughs> you're not even getting paid properly because someone's taking your money oh, no. we can give you some, sh- uh, no, some don't short share the sweets. do you want the sweetie swear. <laughs> right, it's it, when it's good it's so good yeah <laughs> and when it's bad it's like extra bad because you're not fitting in with the sexy narrative of and I I don't mean sexy narrative of strippers looking brilliant. What the narrative is at the moment, like when you were saying about the radical feminists, their narrative is we're going to take secret cameras into your workplaces and we're going to film, we're going to catch you out. We're going to take as many secret cameras as we can until someone has a quick fumble during a lap dance and then we're going to make a massive big deal out of it. I remember you telling me about this. Yeah, yeah. I get really angry about it because that, to me, is sexual assault. The radical feminist saying, oh, all these girls are getting sexually assaulted and it's like well you're the one with a secret camera mm-hmm. in front of a naked woman who has never given you consent to film her that is sexual assault and you're trying to use that to get these their workplaces shut down when what they should actually be doing is working with you guys to unionize to make yeah. it as positive as possible so i i have followed this exact story very very closely mm. sasha rakoff Bless her. Bless her heart. She founded say that's her real name. Not Buying It. That is her real name. Oh, Sasha Rakoff. That is a banging name. Good She's name. a rad femme. So she basically founded, back in 2004, <laughs> she founded Object. Oh. Object were, you've heard of them. They yeah. were one of the biggest kind of uh, most vocal opponents of this kind of spread of the lap dancing industry. So just before the Policing and Crime Act, they were very much kind of part of the public dialogue about lap dancing and why it should stop. So they had a lot to do with introducing current SCV licensing legislation and the regime that has basically created a hostile environment for strip clubs. Okay, that's what's going on. It's a hostile environment. Now, she left London and then she went up north and she founded uh, Not Buying It. And she's based in Sheffield. Now, Sheffield has got one strip club, one strip club in the whole of the town. It's like the eighth biggest city in the country. Yeah. They've got one strip club. Apparently, that's too many. Oh. And for uh, Sasha Rakoff, um, she's basically made it her kind of life's work to get this place shut down. And she travels around the country and she goes around and she does these objections and she gets these letters into the councils and she gets a place at the table and she gets invited to come and give, you know, kind of expert like evidence and she comes I've seen it you know you can watch these kind of plenary sessions online and she sits there and talks about these kind of statistics of you know global violence women around the world and you know she just kind of comes out with all of this you know the numbers of children who are abused the number of women who experience domestic violence and it's like okay but so strip clubs though what's the what's the connection what's the what, what are you actually getting at here but she's had a lot 
of she's had a lot of sway now however she hasn't won yet and so she in in Sheffield she's obviously got such a load of beef with men going into strip clubs that she hired two of them paid them to go into a strip club and party with the strippers wearing secret cameras right these are these are ex-coppers these are men who have got a history of you know vice and crime and they that that's their now their 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 job is their their private investigators right mm. so that's the kind of person that you're dealing with and they go in wearing these secret cameras they film the dancers and of course the girls in because and then okay go back to the business model go back to the club has to get the license and in order to get to the license they have to do a renewal every year and it costs them more money to keep the license and then of course the condition the, the licensing conditions say that they've got to have more things like more security more cctv more showers more drinking water so that it costs all the, the the costs of the club running go up yeah well who do you think they're passing those costs on to it's the girls they're passing the directly right so our house fees have gone up every year since the 2009 act and not only that they take because there's no regulations on they can take as much money off our dances they can count a number of dances take 25 percent 50 percent of your vip do you know what i mean it's it's ridiculous fines so okay so the dancers are now working in harder conditions than they were 10 years ago they're now and then while they're being told that they're not allowed to dance, well, fuck off. I've got a hard, fucking hundred pound house fee to pay. Of course, we're going to touch the guy, like sit on his lap. That's fine. Mm-hmm. So then she sends in these guys, catches the girls dance, uh, touching and then uses that. They, they make a dossier. They share that dossier with <sighs> the Women's Equality Party. Oh, God. They then make a big show of turning up at the council and having a meeting and saying, well, this is what's going on in your strip club. And you, it says quite clearly in the licensing conditions that the girls are not allowed to touch. So rah, rah, rah. And then the club's are like, oh, yeah, well, right enough, our hands are tied. And this is, again, that goes back to that problem of never having a place at the table in the first place when mm-hmm. the policy was... Uh, created so I'm going into a right rant aren't I the dancers the dancers <laughs> I'm not the, touching but that was quite nice <laughs> the dancers never had a place at the table we never got to say what our boundaries were we never mm. got to say do you know what actually I'm alright with a little bit of touching yeah. as long as it's within reason and as long as I'm in control and as long as I'm supported to have those boundaries if the if the workplace can support me to have any of those boundaries then actually it's really quite safe so with, with bbc hat on sasha what's her name rakoff yeah brilliant it um, sounds isn't like it here to defend herself <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like she's just doing it because she's had a lifetime of people going oi get your rack off a great thing. <laughs> you know so and she's kind of i guess you know the point that she would make is i don't know but i guess the point she might make is other stats that she threw into the meeting but of course i hear your point about it so so what's going to happen how do people get involved how can people help what's your next move to make what you want happen happen what we want is workers rights we want dancers to have their worker status acknowledged and to have the business model and the entire industry redesigned around acknowledging the fact that we had any rights in the first place including so it what sam was saying about the misclassification we're told that we're self-employed but we're treated as employees. Yeah. Now, there's a middle way. There's um, something called worker status. So anyone who knows anything about employment status knows that people in the gig economy don't have contracts and they're in this kind of weird kind of grey area, this limbo. Well, we've always been in that 
kind of grey area. We were like the original zero hour contract workers. Mm. And we have started working with a trade union called United Voices of the World. And there's also another trade union, Industrial Workers of Great Britain, IWGB. And they are working on behalf of gig economy workers, pulling, putting forward strategic litigation and the really exciting news is that right now we are waiting for a judge's decision on a case about a strip club in East London. A dancer has taken her boss to court to claim for worker status, to claim for her holiday pay that she's due and trade union victimisation. So she got sacked for talking about the union, which if you have worker status, you have the legal right to be part of a union. You have the right to talk amongst your work. So we are beginning to challenge that culture of, you know, favouritism, coercion and control within the workplaces. And it is slow, slow, slow work. And it takes pioneers who have the balls to go to court and to potentially risk their, you know, job elsewhere. I mean, if you get found out you know if anyone else any other clubs know that you're the one that took someone to court you're not they're not going to employ you legal fees and everything well that's you know the union that's what the union are we work we're working with southwark law center who are doing everything on a no win no fee basis and but they are amazing how can people um keep up to date with what you're doing the thing is they can't really (laughs) do you want me to make some calls (laughs) well Funny you should say that. But do you remember I was saying about the fourth thing, the mainstream representations? Well, the press aren't interested in any of this. The press, as soon as it, as soon as anything sexy, like oh, you know, yeah, yeah strip is getting caught touching, uh, strip is getting caught. Uh, you know, there's a story about the club Sophisticats over getting shut down because they've lost their license because guys were getting ripped off, like in the Hustlers film, right? Yeah. Well, that's all sexy, but anything that shows us as like human beings with like you know workers rights and actually holiday pay like (laughs) that's not very sexy is it it's like strippers getting holiday pay what (laughs) you know but this is this is what I mean about we you know until until any kind of big news editor commissioning editors get interested in any of this it's not a lot we can do we got you know know, I know everyone (laughs) (laughs) can you no one. <laughs> but, um, but I think it's a great story. Yeah. I think it's an interesting story. Yeah. Um, can I ask you something? I know, and, you know, I know this is what you want to know as well. This And this is really kind of tying in with the, the politics and the, you know, the seriousness of this. Do you use a special exfoliator, moisturiser to make yourself always look lovely? Because that's, that's what <laughs> so I want. That is the secret is yeah. for my body, I use yeah. coffee grounds. Coffee what? grounds? Yes. I can't have caffeine. Well, but you, you mean can rub like it on, on your you. on your you're not drinking the it coffee. It will still ground. go in, it will seep in. <laughs> Caffeine's really good for your skin. It bloats your skin for like a short so you period get some of time. Cafe and just rub it in. Yeah, I just you have to you have to have made like an espresso first, basically, and right. then you've got this little like cake, I guess, of yeah, of used coffee grounds, <laughs> and you just take that in the shower. Now you say cake, she's in. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's Samantha taking the piss. No, no, I'm serious. It gets rid of cellulite for a very short period of time. What? So if you just exfoliate, it bloats your skin a little bit, so it reduces the. So I've appearance. got a window. Yeah, <laughs> I've no. Got a sex the idea, window. the idea is you do. <laughs> weekly so it's always nice and then the moisturizer i use so if you use moisturizer and you go on the pole you will destroy the pole because uh, you're oily 
and you'll ruin everyone else's life on the stage. Everyone so you, can, everyone will oh. literally hate you. So my secret is aloe gel because aloe gel is not greasy. Right. So it's coffee. So you grind coffee. Did you know this? No. Right. No. <laughs> Do you know what's funny about this? You're asking a 24 year old <laughs> what, what her skincare yeah. routine is like. Literally. Well, let me ask you a 26 year old. <laughs> What's yours? Uh, I don't really have one. I just basically uh, don't drink anymore. Yeah. I stopped drinking and smoking years yeah. ago. I, just I prefer stopped the coffee the- granule. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going Advice. with that one. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, and just generally. Uh, what? A lot of, the, back when I used to work, a lot of the guys who would go to these clubs obviously have lives outside the strip club and wives. So they don't like things like, you'd think all those glamorous things that you associate with this strippers. Glitter, perfume. Oh, glitter. Oh, don't wear it. You know what we call glitter? What? Divorce dust. Because <laughs> <laughs> this was your thing in your show. Forget everything you know about strippers. So it's like, yeah, there is no glitter. There is no perfume. It's just, you have to be very practical and have workers' rights. <laughs> so, um, so can we follow you on social? Where, mm-hmm. You know, so give us, if you've got any website How info, can people come like to your lovely life drawing classes? Yeah. And So if you want to book on for our life drawing class, we have a meetup page. Oh. We also have an Instagram. That's at life drawing with ELSE. Yeah, our website is really old, out of date. It okay. needs updated. We need a new one. If you, do you know anyone? Yeah, I'll do that. Oh, well. yeah, okay. we can, I can knock cool. one out for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, great. So we need that sorted out. Um, I've been very, basically quite busy lately because I've been writing and just uh, trying to get my head down to write a book. Yes, which please. It's going to be published. Um, yeah, all of the ranting that I've just done yeah. will be in book form. <laughs> yeah. Uh, late at the end, of, like later on this year, um, for publishing a book with Unbound, that'll be due out soon. Have you got a title? The Ethical Stripper. Ah, oh, brilliant! So it's just basically the the kind. Oh, of, that's your Twitter handle as well. It's the so, Twitter and um, Instagram. We're not really big Twitter users. Uh, There's too much ag on Twitter. I find, even yeah. though it's the most sex worker friendly um, platform, it's also the most aggy yeah. one. And there's a lot of a- antagonistic. Aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, there's a lot. So, of... where the hell can we find you? <laughs> we're on Instagram. We're on Instagram. Okay. E- 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 uh, ethical Stripper. And we're on Facebook. Like... East London Strippers Collective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're hard to find. It's frankly. We're mysterious. You know, yeah. Who else? Do you want to sort of spread yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Well, spread yourself out to the spread your legs. Even <laughs> That's what I said to the um, smear person. Right. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Good Thank luck with you. everything. I'll have a decaf, please, Miranda. <laughs> Thanks very much to our guests from the East London Strippers Collective. Collectors when needed, yeah? Yes. Are they effective? I think so. Yeah, yeah. There's been because there has been. So they, I've got a bit of an update actually. <gasps> Drum roll. Do you want an update? Uh, always. So in the podcast, they were saying about how there was a case going through the Supreme Court. Is that what we have? The Supreme Court, a big court. Yeah, the England, big... the big. <laughs> the big... <laughs> they. Did you, how far did you go in your law <laughs> training? <laughs> the big court <laughs> with the with the scary people. <laughs> 
and they're very tight pearls. One of them men with like what they got them wigs on the yeah. head. So they took it up to the um, high justice, your yeah. majesty's yeah. <laughs> curtsy, curtsy, yeah. venerium yeah. quartet. Venereal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, because they had a case um, where they were trying to say how uh, strippers are workers um, and uh, someone was trying to disagree so that they didn't get all the working benefits and they won. The strippers Brilliant. won. So, yeah, you can see all the details of that. You just need to Google East London Strippers Collective and they've got all their details about that Do you think they Twitter. won because did they mention they were coming on here? I think so. I think we really had sway there. <laughs> My name's Phoebe Lynch. <laughs> and I'm Miranda Kane. Good Sex, Bad Sex was produced by <laughs> Juliet Nichols for Metro.co.uk. Get in touch on Twitter, please, at Good Sex, Bad Sex, X, X, X. <laughs> also, have you got a sexy question? Have you got a query? Are, are you a particularly um, good... What? Kisser. What am I good talking... Kisser. Why do I not have words? You're a good kisser. Are you a good kisser? Yeah, you're a good kisser. I am an excellent are kisser. You? Well, according to my reviews. Get in touch with us at info at sexpod.co.uk. Do you really have reviews? I had reviews, yeah. <laughs> See you next week. I'm off to read this shit. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> 